You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Thanks again for having me join you today. My name's Devin. Um, I'm one of the pastors at Cross Culture in the City. Um, it's a, a privilege to be able to bring God's Word to you today from Luke uh, chapter 16 that Daniel read for us. Um, the good thing about expository preaching, what we mean by that is as we kind of work through books of the Bible, um, is that as we do that, we, um, we allow God to set the agenda of what we're going to talk about each week. Um, that way, it doesn't just um, mean that we just get to speak on what we want every week, um, but it also helps us not avoid certain topics we don't like talking about as well. Um, and so as we um, continue our series in Luke... Um, Jesus today is going to take aim at our wallets and what that says about us. Um, So let's pray as we do this. Um, Humble us, Lord, uh, to hear, understand, and do your word. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I wonder, um, when was the last time that you got ripped off? When was the last time you got ripped off? I bet you can remember. Um, Because if you're like me, you remember every time you got ripped off, whether it's big or small. Uh, My first experience of uh, getting ripped off was back in grade one when I was at school. Um, Kids back then, we were into marbles, playing marbles. And uh, so what we do during lunchtime is we would uh, trade marbles with one another. Um, So I had a marble probably about a medium-sized and a kid from my class wanted to trade my medium-sized marble for his one that was nearly twice as big. And so I jumped at the opportunity. It was a really good trade. Um, But what I didn't realize was as he was um, offering to trade this marble with me, he'd only shown me half of the marble. Um, And he did that because the other half was missing. Um, And so before I could realize I had this massive marble in my hand, half was missing and he had run away already. Um, Do do you know what's uh, remarkable about that story, though, is not actually that I was gullible enough to be ripped off as a kid. Um, Clearly, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, No, what's remarkable about that story is that nearly 30 years later, I still remember it. It still makes me angry. (laughs) And you know what's even more remarkable than that? I actually still have that broken marble at home. I obviously can't let go. Um, It's a reminder to me to never be ripped off again. (laughs) But you see, we hate getting ripped off. Um, It doesn't need to be a lot of money. Uh, Could even just be a few bucks like that, but it can, even that can be enough to make your blood boil, right? And, and, and something you remember forever. Um, so why is this the case? Um, I think it's because, yeah, we don't like to feel cheated. Um, we feel betrayed when we're misled like that. But I also think it's because our money and our possessions often have a special hold over our hearts. Um, it's easy to grow attached to all um, we've earned and all we possess. So the question is, why does money do this to us? Um, As Jesus speaks to his disciples, he's going to challenge us on how we view our money. 
Um, and actually, Jesus speaks about money a lot um, because he knows that our money is a window into our souls. Um, so first, we're going to see why money matters. Why money matters. Um, Jesus, he starts with a parable. Uh, verse 1, there's um, a rich man. This is what we read before. A rich man that had an incompetent manager. Um, a manager that through laziness or incompetence has completely wasted his master's money. Um, so not surprisingly, the master's, uh, sorry, the, the manager's fired. He has to turn in his accounts and he has to go. Um, if you've ever been um, let go from a job before, you'll know the urgency of needing to take care of your financial future. Um, but for this manager here, he knows he's not strong enough to do manual labor. Um, he doesn't want to beg. So what does he do? Well, here he, he devises a scheme. He goes to the master's debtors, those that owe the master money, and he tries to win favor and goodwill with them by cooking the books. And so to the debtor that owes a hundred measures of oil, he forges the invoice and writes off half the debt. Um, he goes to another that owes 100 measures of wheat and he writes off 20%. He's so dodgy, isn't he? All these, all these reductions here would have cost the master over a year and a half's worth of wages. It's a lot of money. Um, some people wonder, is this manager being honorable? Uh, maybe he's you know, reducing uh, the interest charge. Maybe he's reducing his own commission. But I think it's pretty clear from this that he's just being dodgy, isn't he? Verse 4 makes it really clear. He's, he's acting out of self-preservation. He's doing this to win favor with people so that when he's sacked, well, then maybe one of them will give him a job and, and take care of him. He's not being generous, is he? Remember, this isn't his own money to give. It's not his decision to make. He's already wasted the master's possessions. And so now he's ripping off his master even more. But the surprising thing about this parable is that when the master finds out all the manager has done, he doesn't condemn him, but he commends him. So why would he do that? Why would the manager, I'm sorry, why would the master commend the manager when he's wasted all his money. But I want you to notice here that the master doesn't commend the manager for his dishonesty, but for his what? His, his shrewdness. Um, a shrewd person is someone who's clever and cunning. Someone who can understand the times and knows that he has to take care of his future. I wonder if you can see what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying to his followers that this master who's preparing for his future is being wiser with his money than you are with yours. Um, in verse 8, Jesus says in a similar way, we need to be shrewd and wise in how we operate in the world, especially when it comes to using money. Um, Jesus says there's a certain level of cunning and smart that you need to understand the times and live in light of the future. 
um, like the dishonest manager in this parable, um, our world today is pretty shrewd, is pretty smart when it comes to future planning, isn't it? Um, so we've got superannuation to save for the future, investments, savings, we've got insurance. It's smart planning. So Jesus says, if the world is shrewd enough to use their money to plan for the future, how much more should we, how much more should God's people be? How much more should we live in light of the future, knowing that things will continue into eternity? Things don't just end here. Jesus says, verse 9, that what we do with our earthly money, what he will call unrighteous wealth, mustn't just reflect our immediate future on this earth, but our eternal future in the life to come. Jesus says you are living for so much more than this world. Why money matters is because like this manager here, we will be called to account for how we've used our master's resources. Jesus says, use your money now to make friends in the future, in the life to come. He says, prepare to be received into eternity. Um, now, having said all this, we know that how we use our money isn't what saves us. It's not what brings us into his kingdom. Um, up to this point in Luke, Jesus has been clear. Those who belong to him are those who have repented, have turned from their old life and have believed in Jesus as a free gift of grace. So when Jesus talks about money here, he's not telling us we need to buy our way into the kingdom. He's not saying that. No, he's saying that we demonstrate what we believe about the future by how we use our money now. Our money shows us what we believe. That's why it matters. Okay, so this is the issue next. If it matters how we use our money, then how should we use it? And in verse 10 and 11, you'll see that Jesus uses this same word, faithful. He says we simply need to be faithful in how we use our money. Okay, what does this mean? What does faithful mean? Firstly, faithfulness means that we need to use our money knowing its true value. Use your money knowing its true value. Um, you'll see that in verse 10. Jesus says, one who's faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who's dishonest in little is also dishonest in much. Uh, sometimes people use this verse to say that if you're faithful with a bit of money, well, then God will give you lots of money. But that's not what he's saying. Right? Jesus is clear about that because he's not comparing a bit of money with lots of money. No, here he's comparing earthly riches with true riches in heaven. So Jesus says we need to use our money in a way that recognizes its true value, that money on this earth is so limited compared to what we'll one day receive. And what that means is that it would be foolish of us to make the accumulation of wealth in this life to be the goal of our lives. Uh, because in God's economy, we're not looking at the quantity of riches, but the quality or the value of the riches themselves. 
Um, if I go across the road uh, down Derby, Derby Street here and I buy a coffee from the cafe, um, I will pay with a $500 bill. Um, if you've got a $500 bill, they're pretty handy. Um, but they'll probably say to me, um, sorry, but uh, this is actually Monopoly money. You can't use Monopoly money to buy a coffee. And so I'll say, no, it's okay. It's okay. I've, I've, I've played the game a few times. I'm good at it. It's all right. I'll give you $1,500 instead. Just give me my coffee. I really want my coffee. But do you see, no matter how much I have of this Monopoly money, it's not valid currency. Once the game's over, it has no more value. And it's actually, this, this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, on this earth, you could have accumulated as much money as Bill Gates. You could have as much money as Jeff Bezos. But when you get to heaven, it won't matter that you have $120 billion. Because earthly money is not a currency that's accepted in heavenly dwellings. Do you see what we mean? Verse 9 makes it very, very clear. Um, it says, use money now knowing that's going to fail you. Money is so limited. Why? Because it's so temporary. It'll fail. Doesn't matter how much you have here. We know you can't take it when you die. Once the game's up, like Monopoly, it has no longer any value. Um, I think that's why this passage we're looking at today comes right after the passage we saw last week about the parables of the lost sheep, uh, the lost coin, and the lost son. Um, it's because in those parables, God is showing us the currency that heaven rejoices over. The currency that heaven rejoices over is the sinner who comes home, is the one who uh, was lost, who's now been found. And so the way to be really shrewd, if you want to be really smart with your money, we need to invest in things that heaven rejoices over. Did you see what Jesus is saying? Um, Luke describes uh, a bit later on what it means to um, give shrewdly. Uh, back before in Luke 12, uh, Jesus says, sell your possessions, give to the needy, he says, provide for yourselves money bags that don't grow old, treasure in heaven that doesn't fail. And so the reason that we are encouraged to give to the work of the gospel is because our life here as a church family, this is what lasts into eternity. We will live forever with God gathered under his name. And as we support people who will bring the good news of Jesus to those who have never heard his name, through our giving, we are sharing in the heavenly currency. And so that's why, as we saw that video of Operation Christmas Child, these, it's, it's a way of using money that's going to fail in a way that might bring the good news of Jesus to others so that they would live forever. And one day, I believe that as we get to heaven, we're going to see people that we've never met before. Um, and they're going to say that it was actually part of our money and our resources that enabled them to hear the gospel so that they would live forever. Um, so let me ask you this question. Um, this is a question that's been challenging me. Um, the question is, when was the last time you sacrificed a temporary earthly pleasure 
for the sake of something eternal. Can you remember the last time you you sacrificed a temporary pleasure for the sake of something eternal? I'm not saying that you need to give all your money away to church or to missions. No, that's not what we're saying. But this passage is saying that your money and possessions needs to reflect what you believe about the future. If you truly believe in Jesus, you have to put your money where your mouth is. Um, A lot of my friends um, uh, speak about finding their forever home. Um, And so the goal of of their lives is to uh, work hard, um, invest well in property now that's going to increase in value over time so that one day they will be able to purchase their forever home. This is, this is nice, isn't it? But do you see that this is short-term thinking? Because our forever home isn't here. Our forever home's in heaven. And so it means we can freely give up these, these short-term dreams for the sake of things that will last forever. Um, I remember another friend saying to me that he actually, he's okay if he doesn't get to travel the world in this life. Um, a lot of our friends at the moment, they, they get to travel the world and do things that are amazing. But he said he's okay with that because he knows that one day the whole world will be his. Revelation says that God's people will be kings who will rule creation with him, which means it's okay if he doesn't get the first class ticket around the world in this lifetime. Um, Having said all of this, um, I just just want to let you know that um, as a pastor, I'm very grateful for how we are generously provided for. This is not me um, trying to raise up more capital from my job. No, we're really grateful for all that you've provided for us through your uh, financial and prayer support. We're really well taken care of. Um, And so this is just an opportunity for us to say thank you. Um, And we acknowledge and we really appreciate how you have put aside the temporary for the sake of things that are eternal. Um, Of course, um, through life, our our capacity to give um, will will change with different seasons of life. So um, while we work, our capacity to give will be different to while we're not working or looking for work or when we've retired or when we've got other people to support. Um, in, in, in this season, um, my wife, Nat, and I, we believe that um, being faithful with our money will be uh, maintaining our level of giving uh, now that Nat will uh, stop work um, since she's going on maternity leave. Um, and so we just need to be wise and shrewd with how we use our money with the capacity that God's given us. Uh, but regardless of where you're at, I, I just want to encourage you, um, wherever you're at, just start small. Um, that's been a helpful principle for me. Um, begin just with, with, with where you're at, with what God has given you, because often it's just these good habits and disciplines that we build in now that actually build a lifetime of faithfulness with how we use our money. Okay, so secondly, faithfulness means um, using money, knowing who it belongs to. Um, I, I think the reason that we hate get ripped off, hate getting ripped off, is because we fundamentally believe our money is our own. Um, we earned it with our bare hands and our hard work. 
And so how dare someone rob me of what's rightfully mine? Uh, But what Jesus says in verse 12 is, if you haven't been faithful in that which is another's, how will you give that which is your own? Jesus says your money's not even yours to begin with. It's not yours. Sure, you've earned your money, but who gave you your job opportunities? Or who gave you your gifts and your abilities? Um, Who gave you your health and your capacity to work hard? Um, When King David um, in the Old Testament, when he gives of his wealth to build the temple, this is what he says. It's actually quite beautiful. He says, all things come from you and of your own we have given you. This is, it, it's all yours. Um, in that sense, we're actually just managers in this life. We are stewards of our master's resources. God has entrusted us money to be faithful in our lifetime and to use it for his purposes. And so this is the challenging thing. Jesus would say, if we're not generous with our money, if you just keep it all for yourself, you're not just being stingy, you're being dishonest. You're not just being foolish, you're ripping off God. Why? Because it's his. And so Jesus says, if you want to use your money well, you need to know its true value. And you need to know its true owner. Okay, so we've seen um, why money matters. Um, We've seen what it means to be faithful in how we use it. But ultimately, why money matters is because of what it reveals. Um, In verse 13, Jesus drives home what's at stake when it comes to money. Uh, He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, Or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's very clear. Jesus says, end of the day, you have to make a choice. Choose me and reject money. Or choose money and reject me. You can only have one. And so I think this is the challenge for us. Um, What I reckon, and I know this from first-hand experience is that so much of the time we think we can serve both masters. We think we can have our cake and eat it too. Um, I remember my friend uh, saying to me that uh, just when he'd started working, he said his plan for his life was to work really hard, earn lots of money, set himself up really well, and then maybe he'll think about giving. Maybe then he'll be in a good position to, to give. But you know what? I reckon... He was trying to have two masters. Why? Because if you can't give now, what makes you think you're going to be able to give then? Um, If you can't be faithful with your money when you earn $10,000, what makes you think it's going to get any easier when you earn $100,000 or when you earn $1 million? Uh, Jesus is clear. You can't have both. Choose money or choose me. The reason why Jesus talks so much about money is not because he wants your money. It wasn't yours to begin with. 
No, the reason Jesus talks about money is because money is a litmus test that reveals what we worship. It's true, isn't it? What you you spend your money on will reveal what you worship. And if you looked over my bank statement over the last month, I'm pretty sure it'd be pretty easy to tell what's important to me, what I value. And so if all we do is just spend money on ourselves, it shows we're worshipping our comfort or our pleasure. Um, Or if all we do is just accumulate and save, it shows we're worshipping our security or our safety. You know, it's so easy to just find our, our significance and our purpose in our money. And the danger here is that we'd be like these Pharisees that we heard earlier. Who are described as what? As as lovers of money. And so when they hear Jesus' words here today, they think he's ridiculous. They scoff at him. And the danger is maybe like them. Here today, we don't like what Jesus has to say. And and so we'll find ways around it to justify it. But this is the danger. You You can trick yourself. Uh, Maybe like the Pharisees, you can trick others, but you can't trick God who sees your heart. You may be able to justify yourselves before people, but not before God. No, Jesus says, if if you're really smart, if you're shrewd, you'll know you're not preparing for the next 10, 20, 30 years of your life. You are preparing for eternity. Um, sometimes when I think about, you know, how much to give, sometimes I just want God to just give me a number. Just tell me how much to give. I'll just do it. Just tell me. Um, but ultimately, that's not how it works because it's not something that can be objectively measured. It's not a tax. God is not taxing you. No, verse 15, Jesus says very clear, money is a matter of the heart. Isn't it interesting that these Pharisees, they hate Jesus' words, but these sinners and these tax collectors, they love Jesus' words. Um, And later on in Luke, we're going to meet a guy called Zacchaeus, who's a tax collector, someone who ripped off his own people. But when he encounters Jesus, we see that it is out of his delight. He gives half of his goods to the poor. And if he's defrauded anyone, he'll restore it fourfold. He goes way above and beyond. Not out of guilt, but out of his joy. And I think that's what encountering Jesus does. You can't guilt yourself into being generous. It doesn't work like that. Now, end of the day, only the gospel can make you generous. Only encountering and enjoying the true riches of heaven can you be freed from the grasp of earthly money. Uh, this is what Paul says. He says, we know the grace of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And that was on the cross. On the cross, Jesus was willing to lose everything for you. Why? Because he knows the value of earthly money. He knows that earthly things cannot compare to what's eternal. There's a movie called All the Money in the World. 
and it depicts the true events of a 16-year-old boy that was kidnapped um, and whose grandfather, who was a multi-billionaire oil tycoon, that guy refused to pay a $17 million ransom for his grandson. And his reason for not paying it was that he had 14 other grandchildren and he didn't want to be extorted for them too. Now, you might look at that man that was a multi-billionaire and think, man, he's so stingy. That's so horrible. But I think ultimately we're confronted with the same decision. How you use your money is going to ultimately come down to this. Do you believe that all your money cannot compare to just one sinner who repents? Do you believe that even all the money in the world cannot compare to just one sinner who repents? Because this is the gospel, isn't it? The gospel is Jesus is the good shepherd who leaves the 99, not the 14, the 99, for the sake of the one. And heaven rejoices. Um, When we visited India at the start of this year, um, it was amazing to see how um, Christians there were thriving. They were thriving and, and they didn't have much. Um, they don't have the creature comforts that we have here. They, they don't have cars. Uh, they don't have nice appliances in their homes. Um, and even if they do have money, it, there's nothing much to spend it on because um, Amazon doesn't deliver to rural India that well. Um, but even though they didn't have money, we were amazed at their faithfulness to God with, with very little and I remember on our, our last night visiting there, um, one of the leaders, he, said to, he asked me a question. He said, how do you do it? He asked me, how do you continue being a Christian in Australia? He asked me, how hard must it be to be a Christian in a world that has so much money? See, this was a challenging thing for me because normally we look at a persecuted country where Christians are poor and maligned and persecuted and say, man, it's so hard to be a Christian there. But the irony is they're asking the same question of us. How hard must it be to be a Christian in a world that's so rich? Where we have everything we want here, where where serving money can be so easy. And so I think this is the real danger for us. Often not that life is so hard, but that life can be so good. And it's so easy to fall in love with life here, forgetting that there's a whole life to come that's going to be so much better. And so you see, the only way we're going to break free of this love of money is to recognize money for what it truly is, but also to recognize Jesus to recognize eternity and the riches that await us and see that for what it truly is. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that because of Jesus, our eternity is secure and heavenly riches await. Lord, please help us loosen our grip on our earthly possessions. Uh, Please, would we use them generously for things that will last forever. And so, Lord, change our hearts to love you more than we love our money. In Jesus' name. Amen.